The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and my guest is content creator and OnlyFans model, Adelia Acker. OnlyFans is an online content subscription service where creators can earn money from users who subscribe specifically to their output. Adelia creates adult content and has amassed hundreds of thousands of subscribers. We discuss the OnlyFans phenomenon and the social stigma around it and varying social attitudes around women and sexuality. We reflect on the sexualisation and objectification of women from a very young age. And Adelia discusses the impact that her career path has had on her relationships with her family and her friends. And as always, you'll hear us chat about a lot more. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. Cheers. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tforetaboutdebt.net forward slash leathered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher, where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland, helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free debt advice is also available for money advice service. So Adelia, welcome to to Blethered. Is this your first international podcast, or have you have you done one before? This is my second podcast I've been on ever. So oh, really? first international and second podcast I've been a guest on. <laughs> nice. You've got your own. Uh, we are only fans. We will talk about that kind of as we move on. But I suppose to to begin with, we'll give people a flavor of, of who you are. So are you originally from LA? Yeah, I'm from the LA area. Then I went to college in Arizona, lived there for a few years because rent was cheap. And now I split my time between LA and San Diego. Nice. It's um, it's it's definitely somewhere I'd like to 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 go and visit. I've never been like to the West Coast. I've ever been only ever been to the the East Coast to the States. Like, what was it like growing up? Because I have this idea of what um you know California and that sort of area, that part of the US is like. But you know, what was your life like growing up? Was it like family life stable? Like, just give me an idea. Yeah, uh, growing up, I would say. It definitely was glamorized a lot. I I just remember some of my first memories were my mom putting me into pageants when I was little. And then my whole elementary school was me going to like acting lessons, singing lessons, piano lessons, doing all of that stuff, and then going to school. And then my middle school started becoming a little bit more normal because I wanted to stop a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I became very involved with like church life, which was really big in my city. Mm-hmm. Um, to be involved with church. And then in high school, it was just like a nonstop bender. Um, my high school was definitely like everyone partied. It was, it was mm-hmm. like college, but as a high school students. Yeah. So it, straight away, like he, listening to your description, it sounds like there's a sort of 
constant conflict. Like uh, my first question is, you know, like the pageants and stuff. Did you want to do that at the time or is that what your mom wanted you to do? Um, I remember my mom told me that I was begging her to be in pageants, but Mm. I don't remember liking them that much. I remember a lot of the girls were mean to me, even though I won Miss California quite a few times. Yeah. Um, I guess I was Miss California three times, but being in the pageant system gave me, uh, I think just a lot of insecurities because you couldn't necessarily be yourself and win a pageant. You had to be like a glamorized version of yourself Mm -hmm. and like you couldn't do anything bad. You couldn't lie. You couldn't cuss. It was like, you had to be basically this perfect person that, um, you know, no one actually is. So what was it that made you want to start breaking out from it? Was it just your friends are doing other things and you kind of want to be doing the same? I just remember, um, I stopped in middle school when I was like going through an awkward puberty stage (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I just didn't feel like pretty enough to be in pageants. And then I tried it out one more time when I was in high school. Um, And the reason I did it in high school, I knew I didn't want to do it, but like my grades kind of bombed when I was a sophomore, even though my grades freshman, junior and senior year were basically straight A's. Um, so I was like, I'm going to do a pageant just to put on my resume. And then me and the judge were really beefing because like they, <laughs> uh, the judge was on the, uh, what was it? Like the school board for the union, right. something like that. Um, and I was saying that a lot of public school systems are broken because like teachers stopped meeting with me when I was struggling in school because it stopped writing letters of record for college. So I felt like I had to be a lesser version of myself to, uh, fit in with the judges and I wasn't going mm. to do that so were you saying that the sort of pageantry thing gave you a lot of insecurities do you see a similarity between that environment and what young people are subjected to now with social media you know in the airbrushed photos and you know the perfect life and stuff is there a similarity there I'd say there's a similarity and there's a difference um I think for me, when I was growing up to literally compete with your personality to fit a mold. um, And I I think the biggest difference is like people know that social media is fake nowadays. I feel Mm. like that was the whole world and that was my narrative. And I didn't know that that wasn't real life. Um, But like, for example, on TikTok, like all these celebrities are being exposed with the before and after airbrush pictures and like, especially with TikTok now, um, especially with TikTok now, it shows videos where you're not really editing yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are now realizing that it's fake. And um, there are still a lot of unrealistic beauty standards, but like a lot of my TikTok is filled with body positivity where like bigger girls are being accepted, curvier girls are being accepted. So I think now is like a really great time to be a young person. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about transitioning from a, a young person to a, a slightly older but still young person you went to to university of arizona to study management was it or advertising but what was it you were studying i was studying marketing right okay marketing um we'll kind of we'll come up because I'm, I'm really interested with the marketing degree and then what you've gone on to do but mm-hmm. when you when you've gone like let's just talk about a plan let's say so what year did you did you go to to university um, I started in 2015, graduated 2019. Right. So did you have any sort of inkling that you would do the OnlyFans thing? Like, how did that come around? 
No, I was actually very against it for a while. Uh, My narrative completely changed. I remember when I was in college um, and I did get a lot of hate for this for a while, but I was one of like the crazier girls on Instagram. Like I went to a lot of festivals and I think it was like the festival lifestyle that kind of got me to be more accepting. And um, I like wore pasties. Um, If people don't know what those are, it's just like little nipple coverings, but you can get them in shapes like watermelon smiley faces glitter pasties there's like all of this stuff and I would wear that to raves and I'd be like one of the only girls from my college who started posting pictures like that mm-hmm. and um people just thought it was so slutty and so crazy and I remember one of uh, my ex-boyfriends in college well I guess the only ex-boyfriend in college but anyways <laughs> he got made fun of uh for dating me just because of my Instagram and people would always shit on him And it's funny because I really didn't fuck a lot of guys most of my college. Um, I went a little crazy my freshman and senior year. But other than that, I was like not super out there. Um, So people just had so many judgments of me with my Instagram that for a while, OnlyFans seemed like such a scary leap since I was literally just showing off pasties and Mm -hmm. dancing around at a concert. And I was already crazy getting made fun of for that. It's quite a... It's a bit of a minefield, like that entire um, subject or like topic, like you know the way that that a woman chooses to dress and the the re- reactions and responses you get from society. Um, I've got a few questions, I suppose. First of all, because you mentioned you were very involved in your sort of church going and stuff, and while I'm not saying that you can't, I'm not saying you can't be religious while dressing a certain way, but they do on the surface seem quite contradictory to each other. Like when you first started going to university, was there a was there an element of like rebelliousness or like shaking off a, a previous identity you maybe held of yourself? Um, so I stopped going to church in I think it was my freshman year of high school. Um, because I just realized that I didn't want to be part of a judgmental church community that um I mean, at least how mine was, they were over involved in your life, wanted to tell you what you could and couldn't do. We're basically saying like, I, I remember this really got to me when they were saying like, you know, being gay is a sin and um, basically saying that something that people don't choose in their life wasn't a good way to live. And then I started really going away from the church community. Um, my freshman year of college, I was definitely rebellious, but I don't think it was because of the church. Uh, my parents being the crazy Christian parents that they were sent me to rehab for weed for seven months. Um, my whole senior year um so I was in uh Utah southern Utah where a lot of the polygamists are it was uh you know the staff were Mormon it was very religious and I was there for seven months with no contact to the outside world um so once I got to college I wanted to do it all (laughs) I wanted to party every weekend actually more than every weekend I was probably partying like four days a week I wanted to make friends I wanted to get myself out there and make up for all the lost time where I was just hid from the world yeah like trying trying to um like inhibit people from expressing themselves or doing what they want or trying to restrict what they're either exposed to or can experiment with it seems to me as if it has like the opposite um effect like it's just going to want to make people kind of do things more it's i mean it's strange because for you you obviously have lived in that and grown up in that but i think for most other countries or people from other countries like we look at the way things are done in the states and it's like it's nuts like to me that's crazy that you'd be sent to like rehab did you think you had a particular problem 
No. I <laughs> it was I mean, can you have a weed problem? I don't know. It's maybe my ignorance. I don't think so. Um I probably smoked once a month, once every two months. I just happened <laughs> to fail a drug test after smoking. <laughs> um I definitely didn't have a problem. Um I definitely had some friends who had problems and I know my parents were concerned. It wasn't from weed. Like I had friends in high school who started getting addicted to Xanax or started like doing certain drugs. And, um, I never, what, what is up- Xanax like for people who, who aren't aware? Cause again, that's a very American uh, thing. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, Xanax is supposed to be for your anxiety, but you're yeah. only supposed to use it if you're having extreme panic attacks. Or I know a lot of, uh, like, veterans who have PTSD are assigned Xanax. So it just keeps them calmer. Right, okay. But what a lot of people in high school and college do is they take Xanax when they drink, which you're not supposed to do. And you completely black out. And then, uh, I, I just seen it ruin a lot of people's lives where you start talking slower. Your brain doesn't function properly. It, I think it wears away at some parts of your brain that are right. Okay. Yeah, so you, you kind of uh, people use the term barge hard over here, where like Xanax actually makes you stupid, right? Um, which is unfortunate. But I I never really got into that. Um, I just got sent for weed, and I think that was just another example of a point in my life where I was told like I couldn't be who I was and I couldn't do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. for other people's pleasure. <laughs> So then how did you make the jump? So I actually, we'll, we'll start with an explanation. So if if you could explain, please, for people listening on the off chance that they don't know what it is, like explain what OnlyFans is, please. Perfect. So OnlyFans is a website where you have a paywall to send out con- like whatever content you want. So a lot of people get their subscribers from like Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um when you subscribe to someone, you can individually like message them and get to know them on a personal level. Um, and then you can send out content, whatever content that you may be feeling to your subscribers. And, um, that's kind of how you make money. So the content could be anything from lingerie pictures to, I know some, um, people who are like big on YouTube, uh, we're doing some like behind the scenes, like they would literally just sell what they didn't put in the vlogs on mm-hmm. OnlyFans, And then it goes as far as some people post nudes or do straight up porn. So there's like a wide, yeah. wide range of stuff that people uh, would, pay for. Would it be fair to say that it's most commonly associated with like pornographic images and, and sort of related content? I'd say that's majority. Yes. Um, I know OnlyFans is really trying to steer away from that. Um, Like, for example, I also have a DJ page, but my DJ page doesn't make nearly as much as my not safe for work page. So I'd say the majority Mm -hmm. of money coming in is from the pornographic side of things. Um, But I know a lot of girls who make a lot of money just selling their tits or just selling videos of them in lingerie. But um, it is to get people to jack off to them. So... <laughs> Just to be blunt. So how how did you end up doing it? And I have got a whole load of questions that one that I kind of just looking for an answer for because I don't know, and also looking for your opinion. But yeah, if you could tell me how you got into it to begin with. Yeah, so um I think it all started. I really started building the brand of who I was on social media when I was in high school. The Instagram I have right now is the third Instagram I've gone through because I got 
my dad made me delete one while I was in college because it was too racy and he was paying for my college. And he said, if I'm paying for your college, you can't have an Instagram like this. And it sucked because I, and it's really hard to do this, but I built like that cult like following that a lot of people look for when they're on social media. My second Instagram, I had to keep it a lot more, uh, I guess PG, PG 13. Um, my senior year of college until I graduated and got my first like corporate job. And then I was able to start posting kind of racy photos again. And I was excited because my corporate job didn't care. And then my second corporate job, I just remember they were overworking me, underpaying me, and I was just getting really depressed. And it was months of me debating whether to make an OnlyFans or not until um, one day I took acid. (laughs) And then when I was on my acid trip, I was thinking, what the fuck is my problem with OnlyFans? I'm like, it's not my problem with OnlyFans. It's everyone else's. And I realized the main reason I never wanted to make one is because my family was already shitting on me a lot for my Instagram previously and would say really mean things to me. And I just didn't know if I was mentally prepared for my parents to say those mean things about me and the rest of the world to say those mean things about me. And then I made the executive decision on acid that I was going to make one and not give a shit what people say. I feel like I understand the concerns about what people say. And I'm not saying like, People should never consider the the consequences or the sort of reverberations that their actions can have. But I do think that, and myself included, people do live very dogmatically at times. When you want, you don't do what you want to do or what feels natural because you're too concerned about about what other people will say. I mean, granted, like this is a more extreme um, example or sort of thing to yeah. do. Um, but yeah, there, there is definitely something in that. So you just kind of, you just decided, right, I'm going to, I'm going to get going and I'm going to just start posting things then. Yeah. Um, it was, it was great. Cause I really wanted to quit my corporate job. It was just, it was one that corporate job was just, it was horrible. I found out I have IBS because my stress levels were so high. I was like growing up every single day. And then like the yeah. jobs didn't care about how stressed they were making me. And they only cared about how much money I was bringing in for them. And, um, the decision to make an OnlyFans just became like, so clear to me. But the thing is, I, I didn't jump into it and I'm really glad I didn't just jump into it. Like I took my time considering Mm -hmm. it for months before I, um, I mean, acid just helped me make a lot of big life decisions (laughs) um, and acid just helped me consider all of the options and like what I really wanted to do and get to like the root of what I wanted to do. And then after 24 hours of having an OnlyFans, I made more than what I made in a month at my corporate job. I was like, yeah, fuck that corporate job because like OnlyFans was really the only place. I had two corporate jobs before OnlyFans that I absolutely hated. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about OnlyFans is that I could be exactly who the fuck I was and make money on it. It was just kind of like an over-sexualized version of who I was, but it's still who I am. It's like the brand is me. The brand is what I'm doing. I don't have to do anything for anybody else except for myself. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. You said that you can be yourself, but it's an over-sexualized version. So yeah. essentially it's a, it's a character that you're playing. Like how do you form that character? Is that character based on a, a caricature version of yourself? Or is that based on what you think other people want to see? Um, I think the character is me just it it's funny because like on my OnlyFans, I do a lot of the stuff that I already do. It's just like that's kind of all they're seeing. It's like yeah, there are so I, I have like different outlets for different sides of me. 
So like on my OnlyFans, it's definitely like the side of me that masturbates just about every single day or like does stuff with other girls or is like really out there. And that's like all that they get to see. And granted, like I'm already masturbating every day. So it it doesn't really break my schedule. It's just sometimes I have to get more creative to like keep people interested. Like, where do I want to masturbate today? All right, I'm going to drive around, find a place. So (laughs) people get excited that I'm doing something different or build a storyline with another girl who has an OnlyFans. Um, So... And, you know, I, I don't usually like I hook up with a lot of girls on OnlyFans. I don't really do that in real life. Uh, so I guess that's an over-sexualized version. But like, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it, it, as, as you've said, it's it's playing a character and yeah. things that you might be doing. But then people will probably, I would imagine, would fail to recognize or remember that you also will be like sitting in a hoodie watching The Office and eating, I don't know, Doritos <laughs> or something, but you're not yeah. you're not going to put that up there. So do you then think that people sometimes either conflate who you really are with this character that you're watching, that they're watching, sorry, and do you think they, they forget that you are a very nuanced, multidimensional person? Um, I definitely think there's that side of things. And that's why I have like multiple social media so that people can see all these different sides of me. Granted, I don't think everyone on my OnlyFans is on my TikTok. And I don't think everyone on my TikTok is on my Instagram. I don't think everyone on my Instagram is on my Snapchat. But kind of like the more areas you follow me, the more you kind of get to know who I am. I think TikTok is a place for me to vent about my trauma (laughs) and depression and anxiety but I also make a lot of jokes Instagram is a place where I like to showcase my hottest pictures and uh kind of that goofy dorky side of myself and it's funny because OnlyFans is the place where I don't look like the hottest it's kind of like it's like the least edited photos or not edited at all because people really want to feel like they're there with you Mm -hmm. so if anything OnlyFans is you know, people probably get that idea of like, you know, they don't understand each side of me, but you know, sometimes I send out content in a hoodie. <laughs> so, yeah. um, sometimes I'll go live while watching TV. So they get to see like those different parts of myself, but it just depends on if people want to watch and they want to get to know that side of me because, you know, when I'm answering the DMS too, they get that opportunity to get to know me and like talk about mm-hmm. music or talk about whatever they want to talk about. Do you feel in control of everything in general or do you feel like a, um, an obligation to constantly be switched on like throughout the day because there's because I mean your your followers are like what way into way over like one million when you when you add them all up together so people will be like expecting whether it's regular output or whatever how how is that so I tend to burn myself out a lot because I do, and I don't even know it's, if I don't even think it's outside pressure. I think it's more pressure I put on myself mm-hmm. since um, I like to be constantly working. I like to be constantly busy trying to improve myself, improve work endeavors, et cetera. And I do have so many things going on right now between like trying to DJ, making these vlogs for OnlyFans TV Um, the podcast, um, putting out my specific content, growing out my particular brand, doing photo shoots. And it's really hard. And this is something I'm just learning to do to set boundaries for myself. Like 4th of July is my favorite holiday over here. Not because of what it stands for, because it's just the holiday where everyone gets really drunk during the day and it's super fun. Um, to me. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I, I didn't even go out because I was just like, I need some time to myself since I, I was doing way too much and not giving myself those boundaries. Mm-hmm. When, you know, like when lockdown hit and people were looking for like new ways to, to make money and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly in the UK, like Scotland and England, Ireland, um, Wales and so on. There was like a massive, massive increase in the amount of people who were opening OnlyFans accounts. Maybe they hadn't thought about it too much and this maybe not turned out great, but it mm-hmm. kind of got me thinking that it's a, it's a market that's heavily saturated. Like you could type anything, you come up with the most messed up idea that you can think of and someone's doing it and like you can pay for that and you can get it and stuff. Now you're, you've sort of embraced the modern methods of of like getting yourself out there for example i saw you have a resume and i've never i've never seen that before so it's like a a resume a cv but it's you speaking on a video and it's that is a modern way so you're obviously you're you're very forward thinking in how you get your stuff out there how how do you sort of beat the competition again because you don't have like that many subscribers or followers if you're not sort of doing the right thing i mean i'm not saying give away trade secrets but you know Yeah. So I think I got extremely lucky with my podcast um, because after we released one episode, OnlyFans themselves reached out to us and now they like promote us very heavily on the site. So I never have a lack of growing subscribers or it's like I grow a lot of subscribers like every day. Um. And what I do to stay ahead of the competition as well is um, I signed with an agency who helps me collab with other girls. So there's always going to be like, or not always, but this is just in general, a lot of your subscribers will buy a certain amount of videos and then they want to go on to the next girl because they get bored. So what you do is you collab with a lot of girls to cross promote and then you get some of their subscribers and vice versa. So that's, and you know, you keep things interesting by keep collabing with all these different girls, um, to gain your subscriber count. And also what fans don't love to see you hook up with new girls. Mm. Um, on top of that, uh, because a lot of my subscribers do come from OnlyFans itself. I do a lot of Instagram growth strategies. So on Instagram, I pay for a lot of shout outs. And then on TikTok, I just try to make a lot of TikToks. I get banned on from posting on TikTok a lot um, because I do have my boobs out in a lot of them. But then that's those are the videos that blow up. So my strategies work there. Yeah. <laughs> and I just try to drive drive traffic on multiple streams. I'm about to start Twitch streaming. So there's a lot of things I have going on to keep traffic going. Yeah, keeping yourself and basically presenting yourself where people are or where they're viewing. Um, obviously we know podcasts have have completely exploded in the last couple of years and you started um we are our only fans podcast with your friend caitlin uh, and it's your tagline is follow adelia and caitlin as they talk about their experience creating an only fans and how they're trying to destigmatize girls having one is that was that your main um motivation for starting it to sort of dismantle the stigma that that surrounds the the notion in general yeah, so that was our main goal. And I remember um, <laughs> me and Caitlin, when we first started the podcast, we had no idea what the fuck we were doing. Like our first recording had to be thrown out the window because I thought I could edit it myself and I definitely couldn't. Mm. And when I try to edit, like 
there were just so many things that what me and Caitlin agreed on over everything else was that we wanted to help destigmatize it because, and, and the main reason is because of how sexualized, I think like people made us growing up. Like when I posted, uh, like pasty photos, like, I mean, my own dad called me a whore, like people in my college Mm. called me a whore. It was like when I wore too short of shorts in high school, it, it was just like a lot of parents talking to my parents about how concerned they were. And it it was just all these things leading up to like, I want to have an OnlyFans. I want to be who I am. And I don't think that this means I'm a whore. It means I'm a bad person. Like if anything, Mm. this I'm a normalized part of society if it is who I am. Um, and Caitlin can agree on a lot of stances because she was sexualized growing up dancing, even by parents and, you know, having, yeah. big so our goal was to make it normal for people to have only fans and to kind of bring it to light. Like I try, when I have conversations with people that I'm like just meeting in LA, San Diego, I try to bring only fans up just to make it a normal part of conversation. Mm. So I, I agree with you. Like, I think, women and young girls are like sexualized and objectified from like a very young age like actually a really fucking like nauseatingly inappropriate um young age but then if a young woman or a woman is to commodify that aspect of society and start to you know make money from it and and to reverse the power structure in the sense that they're then profiting from something that is going to exist no matter what they do. They are met with like, it is met with anger sometimes. And I wonder a lot of the time, and it's like, you can have your opinions and you like you can disagree, but I don't understand why it would make you so angry. Um, yeah. And my theory is that, you know, with the patriarchy, with like men have just almost always had control over women between what they wear, our literal reproductive systems, like, men having a lot of the control and like marriage and women just started, I mean, within the last century, women have been gaining more and more rights, Mm. but now that the roles are kind of reversing. And I think women are finally taking the power back and monetizing on the fact that men, a lot of the time are thirsty pigs. And now that we're we're (laughs) power and like we're monetizing and we're becoming rich. And I feel like guys just wish they could get that. So I I think think anger comes from projecting, projecting on our, like I think a really simplistic example would be um, you'll have let's say oh god you see it all the time like some guy will like abuse a woman for doing the OnlyFans thing or call her a slut or a skank or whatever and then that woman will post like a screenshot of a DM from that same guy um, like trying to I don't know trying to like get into them or trying to compliment them or start some conversation and then you're like what does it come from? Like preempting a rejection, so then trying to reject that that woman first. Like it's it's really weird, and it, it always seems to come down to when it's monetized. Like um, there could be man A will will leave loads of comments on somebody's Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, like an Instagram picture, and loving it. But the minute that I don't know that there, there's a subscription, I don't know if I'm putting that right. The minute that they perceive that this woman is making money from it, they'll start getting really pissed off. I just, I don't know why you would, why you would care that much, like what someone else yeah. is doing. I know that a lot of people, at least from my experience, because for some reason, my TikTok always lands on, I think, sexist TikTok. When I try to land on like feminism TikTok a lot or funny yeah. TikTok, 
but I just, how, what, for whatever reason, land on sexist TikTok where men, a lot of the time bring religion into it saying like, I'm hell, I'm not a woman of God. I'm like, you know, and if you really look at things, I I just, I don't think they're educated. (laughs) I think it's a lack of education. I think it's a projection of their own insecurities. And what I'm learning, um, I just started going to a new therapist, uh, but people have a lot of trauma that they haven't gone through for whatever, or they haven't uh, processed for, you know, not wanting to work on themselves or whatever. And then they someone who's doing well and being happy and they just want to bring them down. So just like another way of projecting, um, oh, yeah. but they just have their trauma that, you know, they yeah. don't want the other people being doing good. Totally. I think we've all experienced that at some point, actually like there's some wee guy, um, that just some like, and he's just like a wee fly, like he's of no significance or importance to me, but I am aware of him. Um, yeah. and it's recently come to light that he's really desperately unhappy with his own life and it's like uh well cool hope you get that fixed but don't take it out of me like your your feelings or or insecurities are nothing to do with me but it, it always tends to be the case it's kind of like if somebody was giving you a hard time at school and you know your family would always say oh they're just jealous and you took that as like a really patronizing comment that actually meant nothing but in essence there is actually some sort of truth you know within that um do you think I feel like attitudes change at a really accelerated pace because of the availability of information and other people's opinions. Have you noticed a change in attitudes to to what you do or does it seem to kind of be stuck where it was? No, not at all. It's, I've seen the attitude change a thousand percent. Um, And, you know, part of that could be just the people I surround myself with because I choose to surround myself with people who like agree with my mission and mm-hmm. don't judge it and like really support what I'm doing. Um, like my old job that I quit everyone and followed me, <laughs> but <laughs> a bit harsh. yeah, they, they all unfollowed me. None of them talked to me after that or went out with me or partied. And like, in my opinion, I think they're jealous that I was able to leave the job that everyone hated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, I have seen a shift because I think before everyone was like, oh my God, that's just porn. Like people who do that don't really have respect for themselves. Like I remember hearing, and this was a lot at the University of Arizona. A lot of people who went there were conservative, who, you know, just weren't very progressive, but even a lot of their mindsets have shifted after graduating, especially the ones who moved to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, since like, if you move to LA from Arizona, everyone's very progressive. A lot of people have only fans. It's just like, you go to a party or you go to clubs in West Hollywood. It's like, there's at least probably 10 girls there with only fans. It's just very common. Um, so I think just bringing more and more light to it is, uh, helping the world change their focus, I guess. And like yeah. before I think women were shamed for showing their bodies and now, you know, all this woman power happening. I think opinions are slowly shifting. I, the older generations, not really, but the younger generations for sure. Speaking of older generations, so do your family still have the same stand or the same sort of stance that they, they did previously? Yeah, um, I had to block my dad's number. <laughs> oh, God. He, yeah, it's just, 
growing up and I'm like going through therapy and dealing with a lot of my trauma and stuff like that, because I didn't really realize until I started seeing um, new therapists, but like they were very emotionally abusive growing up, uh, particularly my dad. Mm. Um, so, uh, his opinion was that I should be embarrassed and ashamed. And like, this is going to stay with me forever. And I'm like, good. I want it to stay with me forever. Like this, I'm very proud of this because this is something I did on my own. Um, my mom is a little bit different. She chooses to live in the dark so that she can accept me, but that's still not hundred percent accepting me if she just doesn't want to know about a whole part of me. So mm. they definitely still have the same stance and their stance revolves around their Christian Christian beliefs, which I just don't like, you know, Christian beliefs should be like, we accept and love you for whatever you do. Like if you look at the Bible, Jesus literally hung out with the gays, the prostitutes, all of the <laughs> outsiders and the narrative changed with like, yeah, the, yeah. I, I don't know how. It is quite funny when you look at sort of the sort of fundamental, you know, pillars of like Christianity. It's like um, people will read it and they'll say, "Well, show love and acceptance and tolerance and kindness to everyone, except you, you and you." And it's like mm, yeah. that really doesn't like. I don't think you fucking get what they were saying. Like you're quite like willfully misinterpreting um, theology here. Mm-hmm. Um, the with the with the podcast like has that opened up any other avenues because again as we said like it's such a commercially viable and such a popular um media format now like has that opened up more for want of a better term like mainstream opportunities um i definitely think it has um i know that still like i mean we haven't really started making good money off the podcast yet um mm. but it has opened the door for us to meet like some very, very interesting girls and like being able to collab with those girls have all of these connections, um, networking, et cetera. Um, and like just with the podcast itself, just being taken up by OnlyFans so early, it's given, uh, me and Caitlin the opportunity to explore what we want to do outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able with like the money I'm making from OnlyFans, and I mean, honestly, the money I'm making from OnlyFans is from the podcast, so it really did help yeah. ex- expand uh, what I was doing there. But I'm I able I was able to start DJing. I'm going to start producing music soon. Um, I started playing piano again, so I can put that with producing music, and um, I think it opened a lot of doors. And that's a lot more mainstream. I think a lot of people want to DJ. But now OnlyFans gave, or not OnlyFans, but the podcast gave us the platform to be able to do that, to have like yeah. multiple different fan bases. Like, I mean, even now, like I'm sitting here in, in Glasgow in Scotland, you're in the US and we're sitting having a conversation, which is going to go out in a podcast, which I think is some, sometimes I kind of pinch myself a wee bit because you just, it's so surreal, like to even imagine yeah. this would be happening a couple of years ago. Um, you know, as we've discussed um, sort of attitudes and like societal attitudes, it would I think it's only fair because you mentioned that you had a few questions that you wanted to throw my way to have a sort of whether it was a a discussion or a debate. And it would be quite disingenuous of me to sit here on a a sort of putting myself on a pedestal and saying, well, here's here, I'll tell you what's wrong with society and I'll tell you what's wrong with guys, but I am part of that as well. Um, There's probably some, some beliefs or attitudes that are heavily entrenched or ingrained in me, you know, through growing up and being a product of that environment and so on. So, yeah, I mean, fire away. Like I'll, I'll answer as as honestly as I can. Perfect. So, 
How familiar are you with OnlyFans? Like, do you just know about it from social media or have you ever had an account and subscribed to girls or do you know exactly what people are putting out there? Yeah, I mean, people are going to listen to this and go, yeah, a good one. We believe you. Yeah, we believe you. No, I've never had an account or anything, but I know what it is. It's like it's it's something that's very culturally dominant and um, very prominent. Like it's... Um, it's like a running joke, isn't it? If you're, you've got a lot of things coming up, like oh, I'm going to start an OnlyFans to pay for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's my only sort of awareness. But I, I know loads of people that that do it, um, but yeah. I've never actually had a look. Okay, got it, got it. So just based on your familiarity with OnlyFans, what do you think like the main source of content people put out is? Pornographic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I think that would be. That would be the majority. I have seen, like, I saw that your podcast has one, and that's yeah. the that's the first time, honestly, when I when I was like doing my research and and just looking things up, mm-hmm. um, that's the first time I realised that oh, this isn't purely for pornographic images. Like that, that, there are other types of creators, but usually you would associate them having like a Patreon. Yeah, if it was like a, like a, a, a like a different type of creative sort of content output. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Uh, like when a girl says that she is an OnlyFans, do you automatically assume that she does nude content, or what assumptions do you have when she says she has one? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I wouldn't automatically assume that it was like like really extreme stuff. But if yeah. someone says that, yeah, if someone says that the connotation is it's at least you know you're putting up underwear pics or or stuff that is risky, um, for, for want of a, a better term. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, surprisingly, a lot of girls I've met don't do like a lot of crazy content. Um, like a lot of girls in my agency that I collab with, like I'll go to collab with them. And like, I'm down to like eat their vagine or <laughs> like use vibrators. Like I'm down to do it all. And they are like, oh, you, you can, we can make out. And like, you know, a lot of girls have a lot of boundaries. I'm not one of them, but, um, I kind of just went boundaries out the door. I mean, I guess I don't really have boundaries when it comes to OnlyFans because it's like helped me, uh, come to terms with my sexuality and become more confident in it. But it's just really funny. The amount of girls I meet with like over a million followers who are like, I'll show this nipple and then people will buy it. Do you think there's an element of people, I don't know, like leaving something, not that I'm saying this is the way it should be, but it's like a sense of leaving it to the imagination that, that draws people in like even further. Um, not. (laughs) I suppose it depends on the person, doesn't it? It it really depends on the person. And if they have a cult like following, um, like we're about to interview a girl today for my podcast um, who doesn't show a lot on OnlyFans at all, but it's just because she has that cult like following that she's able yeah. to not do a lot and make a lot of money. Like her fans are like diehard fans. Like if she made merch, it would probably sell out versus, you know, a lot of people on social media, like they have a lot of followers or they have a lot of likes, but they don't have that cult like following because mm. people don't really know who they are, don't like their personality. And those so are like, usually girls that need to show more on OnlyFans to make money or not need to. Yeah. No one needs to do anything, but if they want to make a lot of money, they got to show more. So like, it's almost like people are buying into the idea that someone has cultivated or that they themselves have created in their mind. Like they just mm-hmm. have a particular liking for that individual. Yeah. So like, for example, Tana Mojo, who 
I mean, she's YouTube famous, Instagram famous, TikTok. She's like all of it. But like she makes most of her money selling her feet and selling pictures of her tits and she doesn't really do anything else. So people who have a cult like following, like they can leave as much as they want to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, I know a lot of girls who are fine making less money as long as they have like all of the control of what they put out there and they can have their artistic element. And a lot of girls do like implied nudity as well, where they're not actually like showing anything. It's like, oh, here's a picture of my bare butt and guys love it. Yeah. And they, like, <laughs> That's funny. That's funny to think. Um, do you have any, any others? Yeah. Um, what is your view on dating a girl with an OnlyFans? I think that's a good question. Um, I mean, I've never been in that position. So I mm-hmm. can't say for certain um, what what my attitude would be. I suppose it comes down to a lot of factors. How much do you like the person? Um, yeah. If I'm honest, it would probably come down to what are, what is out there because, like as we've just discussed, like there's implied nudity, and then there's like really extreme content. Uh, and while it's not my place to to define anybody or tell anybody, no, you're wrong for doing this, or you shouldn't do this. I suppose there would be elements on the spectrum that I would be comfortable with and then personally like wouldn't be uncomfortable with. Like, have you found that like, has that been a a sticking point for you like in relationships and and life in general with even friends? Um, I've, I had a lot of friends debate me on when I wanted to start showing my vagina. Um, (laughs) it was definitely like, yeah, I, I had a lot of friends who just like weren't okay with it dating on the other hand it um i mean honestly i was celibate for a super long time and then i started hooking up with a guy and we made only fans content together and then um all the guys who i have been interested in it's like they love the idea of me having an only fans so mm. it almost i think me already having one and people already knowing who i am and yeah. what to expect it hasn't really closed any doors for me um, if anything, it just, it like, I'm so glad I didn't have a boyfriend when I was making one. So I didn't have to consider anyone else's feelings. <laughs> I was yeah. really do what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I have like a few guys who are interested in me right now who I'm kind of interested in and all of them are fine with it. So let's just say you were to date a girl with an OnlyFans. Would you ever make like because, you know, maybe you weren't comfortable with her putting other people's sex tapes up there. But what about your own sex tape where no one sees your face and it's like POV content with you? It's like like the camera's yeah. your dick in her ass. <laughs> and like, that's all. <laughs> Sorry to my family if you're listening, which I, I suspect they may be. But um, no, I, <laughs> um, no, that's, that. I can, I can categorically say that that's not something that would do. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, it's, I don't have any, it's nothing to do with me what any, anyone else does, but I I just couldn't. It's just yeah, that's that's that ain't me. Yeah, makes sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it takes a lot of like if I think you know being on TV makes me nervous, then <laughs> it's a whole different type of like nervous nervousness and yeah. doing something like that. It's definitely different attention that he <laughs> will be drawing. Um, yeah. you have a different opinion on OnlyFans before it became more mainstream, um, you know, a few years ago versus now? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I would be, I would be lying if I said that I didn't, um, while I didn't have 
any like sort of majorly defined opinion or like um, viewpoint on it. I probably did look at it in a more a more negative sense than I did positive. Um, it, I know, as I say, not to say I had any major opinion, but I would have recoiled a little bit and be like, oh no. But I think there is a lot of nuance to it. Like going back to what we just said a few minutes ago, there are mm-hmm. like levels on the spectrum um, of of like extremity. But even having said that, it's none of my business, like what anyone else does. And I yeah. think maybe sometimes you do have like, you know, like you always, you have an opinion or you maybe form an opinion internally and then you kind of check yourself and go, right, wait a minute. Like, is that, is that actually right? Or, you know, or am I buying into a sort of outdated, you know, perspective on it? Um, so yeah, I would, I would say that it, my, my opinion is definitely has changed um, in the sense that I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> what has it got to do with me? Like absolutely nothing. I don't have ownership over anybody, you know, male or female. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, to give you some credit here, I had a completely different on OnlyFans a few years ago as well. Mm. Even like beginning of last year, I was like, I mean, I didn't judge anyone who had an OnlyFans, but I'm like, I, I was thinking of OnlyFans with a negative connotation. Like, oh, those girls are doing it as a last resort or it, it was arrogant way of thinking. And then I yeah. did have myself and then I made one after I checked myself because I'm like oh this isn't bad at all and then I started like posting more and more on OnlyFans the more comfortable I became with myself I think because you know everyone Mm -hmm. has different boundaries for their self but um it becoming mainstream definitely helped my opinions change since like I mean I wouldn't say I'm like a sheep but I also don't usually take the time to educate myself I just started to try to do that in the past like year or two I think it kind of exemplifies the general notion that your opinion can change once you have more information or more experience of something and that there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, like admitting, yeah, I used to think this. It's like, um, comes down to anything like people maybe five, 10 years ago use language that now in the modern day you realize isn't acceptable or we maybe held attitudes that you're like, hold on a minute, like that, that's terrible. You can learn from it. You can sort of grow and move on and, and you don't have to, be ashamed or embarrassed that you once thought something about x and that then goes on to change you know from negative to positive or vice versa like it's yeah you're you're allowed to change your mind like when you have new information yeah exactly and i think that uh i mean cancel culture has become so big nowadays but i almost think cancel culture Take, takes away from the fact that people can't change. Like something someone posted in 2015 when they were less educated definitely yeah. doesn't mean that's their opinion now. Yeah, and it's absolutely. like, I'm literally about to delete a whole Facebook I had because like some of the things I posted when I was in high school, even like my freshman, sophomore year of college, I'm like, those don't represent me now. But yeah. like the media doesn't care that those aren't my yeah, opinions. Yeah, they don't care. And, and it's kind of <laughs> like, I, I was reading a thing about how you can get people, how people can be pushed to the hard right because they're looking for somewhere to belong or somewhere that will sort of welcome them, welcome them or envelop them. Because in like human nature, we feel the need like safety in numbers and safety and and like mm-hmm. being part of a, a tribe or a collective. And it's like right, if someone said something you know really unacceptable seven or eight years ago, and they're kind of like, look, yeah, I mean, it was totally wrong. And uh, you yeah, totally denounce what I said or what my viewpoint was or whatever it may be. 
And then if a certain part of society is like, no, well, you're going to be punished. And they're like, no, no, listen, I completely understand that it was wrong and I would like to move on and learn and grow. And if yeah. a certain part of society doesn't allow them to, then what it does is it solidifies. They then think, well, fuck you. Well, I'm just going to maintain this opinion. In fact, I'm going to double down on it because they maybe feel as if they, they can't win. And it's like, uh-huh. yeah, maybe we should look, we should judge people on how they, they are now as opposed to you know the person that they, they previously were. Yeah, exactly. And like people can change people. Uh, I love that. Um, so with us talking about OnlyFans and how you have a different opinion now, is there anything else I should clear up for you about the site that might be unclear or you might have questions where you're like, oh, is this part a little iffy, etc.? Yeah, I do have one question. And I suppose like, you know, obviously you've described the positive impact that it's had and, you know, just how it's shaped your life in a sense. And these are all great things, but with everything, there's an element of duality. Like, what are the what are the downsides, if any? Like, I feel as if there must be some. Whether it's um, people who are a little bit too obsessed, or or like yeah. sort of, I don't know, general, yeah, general downsides. Yeah, um, you know, there are upsides for everybody, and I think the misconception. I mean, there is a misconception about OnlyFans where like every girl who makes one just makes a lot of money and a lot of girls, you know, will make one and not make anything because they don't have like that business mindset. And for a lot of those girls, you know, it it does prevent them from getting, it's it's something that you have to put a lot of thought into, I think, before you make one. I mean, depending Mm -hmm. on your personality type, since there's some people who never regret a, a decision that they don't think about, but I do think it's something that girls need to think about before they make a decision since it is, a life-changing decision like I mean even me thinking about when I started sending out like vagina content because for me that was like the stepping stone between all right I was just selling tits before now it's like I'm doing porn Mm -hmm. and it was just such a big decision and it did weigh down on me for a little bit um before I made the decision and even after I made the decision it, it it's something that can mentally fuck you because you, you do have to put, make your boundaries very clear with yourself. And if those boundaries are to change for whatever reason, and your boundaries can always change, you just, you need to put thought into it because girls can be, I mean, your subscribers try to always get you to show you more. And it can be something that's really draining if you're not strong or not even strong, but it's like, I mean, I get therapy sometimes three times a week because I need it to continue doing what I'm doing since it does put a lot of pressure on you to sometimes do more than what you're willing to do or put more work than what you physically can do. And it's something that you can always be doing more work in and that can be very draining. So I'd say that's probably the biggest side effect I've seen. Um, The nice thing about OnlyFans is that girls don't usually get exploited on the site unless they somehow sign with horrible management. Yeah. uh, So management is just another thing to look out for. Uh, for me, OnlyFans has been a very positive experience, but I know for some girls it, it was negative since it just took a lot out of them. Yeah. With you saying it can take a lot out of you and, you know, if you're having to undergo sessions with a therapist in order to, <laughs> to you know, countermanage that, it then strikes me as something that you won't do forever. Like, do you have a sort of idea of, I know you were talking about, you know, DJing and music production. Like, is that the kind of route that you would like to go down, you know, in the maybe near to medium future? Um, so 
definitely. I mean, here's the thing with OnlyFans. I love OnlyFans. It is a lot of work though, but I love OnlyFans. I can't see myself getting rid of it while I'm making money. Yeah. You know, maybe when I'm old and wrinkly. <laughs> but no, I can see myself spending somewhat like less time on OnlyFans because I do have like, you know, once I start making a lot of money on the podcast, which I think once we grow our podcast following, like we have 500,000 subscribers on OnlyFans for the podcast, but you know, more of a mainstream audience. It'll that is just insane. Kind of like that's just nuts. Yeah. It, oh my God, that was, we just hit it like a week ago and it was probably like one of the best moments of my life. But once we yeah. grow that mainstream audience, not only will we make more on the podcast, but then I'll make more on my OnlyFans. Once I grow my DJ career, people will really like me for my DJing as well. Yeah. And then it'll just put money back in OnlyFans. So I think everything that I'm working on kind of goes hand in hand in hand for how yeah. I'm going to grow my business and just keep making more money. So I think I'm just going to keep doing all of it and just spending my time more wisely. But, you know, as I'm getting good at DJing, it's just... It's it's a lot of work because I, yeah. I was really bad when I first started. And now I'd say I am me- bad to medium. I'm like on the scale going up. <laughs> I'm t- like, I'm, I have no DJ experience whatsoever, but my friend taught me, what do you call them? We call them decks. What would you uh, call them? Yeah, like DJ decks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like my f- my friend taught me to use the decks, but I got taken off it quickly because I just kept playing like ABBA remixes. So everybody was getting like, <laughs> really annoyed at me but obviously tasteless scum uh, if you don't love ABBA and um, with the you know with the podcast there must be like we all want validation of sorts like it's like a it's almost a human necessity but I feel like there must be a really satisfying element of validation that there's half a million people are subscribed to the podcast um, and are interested in in what you've got to say because for, for anyone who hasn't watched or listened the format is you uh, your friend Caitlin and sometimes a guest and you'll discuss like a you start with a certain general umbrella topic and it's you know I've, I've watched a few and you know it's funny and some of the conversations quite eye-opening and it's very much the, the complete opposite of what you would associate OnlyFans content with being it's more like a, I don't know a glimpse into to both your minds and your personalities and when people respond well to that it must be a nice feeling yeah it, it is a nice feeling and you know some of those 500,000 subscribers definitely shit on us, but I have a different view than most people when I'm getting shit on nowadays through therapy, but it almost gives me like a sense of power. Like I'm just yeah. out here being myself and like, I get this reaction out of you that like, you have to spend time out of your day <laughs> to shit <laughs> on me. <laughs> yeah. Like my view has definitely changed a lot there. Um, but it does give a sense of validation where it's like, we're, we're really going places. And when we first started out, like we really, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know if we were going to make it. Like at first I just had this idea that I like wanted to be the next Alex Cooper. And now that we're kind of like going through the motions and doing what we have to do. I'm like, I'm not going to be the next Alex Cooper. It's like, we're going to be Adelia and Caitlin and we're going to rock this shit. Yeah. I think as you've started sort of like eyes shut a little bit, like not really knowing what you're doing, uh, people probably really buy into that authenticity because you know you're you're being very much yourself it's not like a a very refined scripted setup like it's just you having that conversation that's what people tend to enjoy yeah definitely 
we we had to put like write scripts in a little bit more detail so Caitlin and I don't interrupt each other. It has been mm-hmm. like a big learning experience yeah. with you know. <laughs> it was like you can't just have a normal conversation when you're doing a podcast because if you're having a normal conversation, people are talking over each other, interjecting. It there is just that professional part of it that yeah. I don't people take into consideration where it's like we have to have our managers have talks with us about what we can do better, where to improve upon and it does mm-hmm. take a lot of work and more preparation. And when we first started, I don't think we prepared at all. And now it's like, we'll talk to the guests. We'll do preemptive interviews. Well, it, it is a lot of work, but yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, no, I totally know. It is a lot of work. Um, I've been doing this for two and a half years. I, I produce, edit, host, um, research, you know, do uh-huh. everything. And it, it's not easy. So um, I, I definitely respect when when someone makes a success of it because it is not easy at all. I think people think it is. They start it and they think, "Oh fuck me, this actually is a lot harder than than I realised." Yeah. But I suppose there's a skill in making it seem so easy. Uh huh. There. It, it, I mean, I think if you're doing a really good job, then it comes off as easy <laughs> when you're exactly. like actually recording. <laughs> yeah, that's it's my favourite like, thing. <laughs> like when people say it, you know, it's just what I love most about it is it's just so unplanned and off the cuff. And it's like, well, it's fucking not. But thank you for thinking that because that was like the, the aim and the intention. Like it's actually planned to the second. But thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is this has been great. Just as we sort of round up, um, do you have any other questions for me? I think I've kind of asked everything that I wanted to ask. Um, I asked everything I wanted to ask you smashing well people can listen listen to your podcast we are our only fans podcast and uh, where else can people find you on social media if they wanted to follow you yeah so my instagram is what is the d-e-e-l-z so what is the deals um my only fans if you want to subscribe to that is onlyfans.com slash daddy deals my dj only fans is onlyfans.com slash dj deals and my tiktok is also what is the deals but i keep getting banned and non-banned so we'll see how long that's up <laughs> I'll, um, the sort of staple closing podcast comment i will include those links in the the episode notes so that people can can easily find them and and follow you um whatever they would like to well this has been great thank you so much for coming on i've really enjoyed this chat thank you hope you have a good week and stay safe out there <laughs> Thanks very much. And thank you for listening. And I'll be back with another episode of Blethered soon. Cheers. Blethered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine. And for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series, including Talk Media. You could start a fight in an empty house. Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.